0: Welcome to A Beggar Who Found Bread. I'm Brad, I'm a beggar, and I found the bread of life, Yeshua the Messiah. I'm reaching out to anyone and everyone who will listen to tell them where this bread may be found. This episode, one way or another. Props to Blondie for the title to this episode. New Wave Pioneer's Blondie featuring Debbie Harry on vocals and Chris Stein on guitar. Harry and Stein were initially together in a band called The Stilettos. They left that group to start their own, which was originally dubbed Angel and the Snake. They would later change it to Blondie in 1975. Now, there's a song titled For Your Eyes Only on Blondie's 1981 album, The Hunter. And it was supposed to be for the soundtrack of the James Bond movie by that same title. The studio rejected the song. They didn't like it. So they went with one by Sheena Easton instead. Now, some people try to credit Blondie with the first recorded rap song called Rapture. And that song was released in 1980. She does rap in it. But those who know will tell you that the Sugar Hill Gang's Rapper's Delight came out in late 78, early 79. So... You know, not the first, but she was close behind and and possibly the first female rap song. I'm not positive on that. You can look that up. And not to disparage Blondie, but the bars that she drops in that song, they're definitely more Dr. Seuss than Dr. Dre. I think for those of you who remember, I think Parappa the Rapper actually came stronger. Anyway, full disclosure here. This might get me in some trouble. I had quite a crush on Debbie Harry when I was a kid. I bought one of those K-Tel compilation albums, and Heart of Glass was on it. And I really loved that song. And then I went to the store, and I saw a poster of the band. So I bought that, and, you know, I saw her all sultry and whatnot. And the guys in the band that were around her, they, they looked like offspring of Frankenstein's monster. So here I am thinking, you know, at the age of eight, wait till she gets a look at me. (laughs) She'll leave those dudes in a minute, man. Alas, it wasn't meant to be. And as it turns out, I'm more of a brunette guy anyways. Guess, you know, know what's going to be the topic of my dinner conversation tonight with my wife. But, uh, you know, we'll get through it. In any event, it's not about the music or childhood crushes. I've matured a lot since then. Well, some since then. It's about the message, one way or another. For this episode, we will take a look at a familiar passage written by the Apostle Paul in his first letter to the believers in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting at verse 19. And Paul writes, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all so that I might win over more of them. To the Jewish people, I identified as a Jew so that I might win over the Jewish people. To those under the Torah, I became like one under Torah, though not myself being under Torah, so that I might win over those under Torah to those outside Torah like one outside Torah, though not being outside God's Torah, but in Messiah's Torah, so that I might win over those outside Torah. To the weak, I became weak, so that I might win over the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all means possible, I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the good news, so that I might be a fellow partaker of it. All right, well, this is a key passage used uh, in by many foreign missionaries, kind of a galvanizing uh, passage, if you will, for, for missionaries going outside, going into different cultures and so forth. The common understanding of this passage, unfortunately, is that Paul is declaring he behaves different around different people Around the Jews, he behaves as a Jew, observing Torah and all the things. Around Gentiles, he, does, he doesn't do that stuff. He does whatever the Gentiles do. Basically, he conducts himself, not according to the Torah specifically, but rather, however he will be best received by whomever he preaches to. Why would anyone follow that guy? I just got to ask that question. Going around pretending to be something he is not, declaring the Torah is important when around Jewish believers, but around the Gentiles, oh, that stuff doesn't matter. Pass me the bacon. That's the epitome of hypocrisy, people. If that was what Paul was saying here, then I wouldn't want anything to do with him. Not anything to do with his teachings or writings. Because he would have zero integrity. Even, let's let's look at how it's broken down, okay? He says, to the Jews, he identified as Jewish to win Jews to Yeshua. Okay, folks, Paul was Jewish. A Jew of Jews, circumcised the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin, a pursuer of the Torah, a Pharisee, zealous for the things of Hashem. He's saying, he leaned on his identity as, As a Jew, when preaching to Jewish people, he related to them on their level in a way that they would best understand. He then goes on and says, to those under the Torah, he became as one under the Torah. Well, what does that mean? Because the common modern interpretation is, well, that phrase under the Torah means the Jews, the people who are under the Torah. Yeah, that's the Jews. Those poor folks under the Torah. They're the ones that are, uh, so, you know, those are the ones under the Torah. But, I mean, wouldn't that be kind of redundant? He just said to the Jews, I identify as a Jew. He he relied on his identity as a Jew with the Jewish people. So is he saying the same thing? And, and then to the Jews, I identified as Jewish. No, that's not what he's saying here. Paul makes distinctions between, and and this is in most actually, I believe, all of his epistles. He makes these distinctions between between three groups, really. Well, two groups, but he breaks them into some subsets, right? Because he speaks to or of the Jews, and he refers to them in this, especially in this passage, when he says, "I identify," you know, he. He identified as a Jew. He is speaking of natural-born, halakhically Jewish people. When he says those under the law or under the Torah, these are former Gentiles who have taken on Jewish identity through the proselytization process. They're placing themselves on under the requirements to become Jewish. That's what they have done. And that's the distinction he's making here. And again, he does it in his other letters. So as he's saying, he understands the plight of those who have gone through the process to become Jewish in their pursuit of the Messiah. Most of whom were strongly encouraged or even forced into proselytization, being told... That was how one must be saved. You have to become Jewish because Yeshua is the Jewish Messiah. And that Paul opposed this process. He insisted it was unnecessary. And so to relate to those, the proselytes, what would Paul have done? You know, if we're going to say, well, he did things that, the Jews did around the Jews and around the proselytes. Uh, when he's around proselytes and around Gentiles, he did Gentile things. So what would he have done to identify with those who've been proselytes? Would he have gone and got himself circumcised again? I, I don't think so. I don't think he would have gone back through the process. He's already, he's already Jewish. He didn't have to do the things, but he, he understood their plight, he, what they went through. And again, most of them were strongly encouraged or even forced to into this process paul again opposes this process he insists it's unnecessary and he faced much persecution because of his stance on this in this very letter to the believers in corinth paul lays out his rule for all the churches and some, some translations say I have one rule for all the churches um, and uh, others like mine say uh, that I have this rule for all the churches. Do you know Paul's rule for all the churches? Does your pastor, preacher, rabbi or reverend maybe ask them what is Paul's rule for all the churches? It's we find it in 1 Corinthians Chapter 7. And, and if, your, if your church leader, your, your fellowship elder knows what the rule is, just be grateful. You know, give, them, give them a high five. Be grateful that they, that they do know what it is. So 1 Corinthians chapter 7, starting in verse 17. Only as the Lord has assigned to each one, as God has called each, let him walk in this way. I give this rule in all of Messiah's communities. Was anyone called when he, was all, when he already had been circumcised? Let him not make himself uncircumcised. Has anyone been called while uncircumcised? Let him not allow himself to be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. But keeping God's commandments matters. Let each one remain in the calling in which he was called. All right. So Paul uses this language referring when he says circumcision or uncircumcision. He's talking about those who are Jewish and those who are not. Those of the nations, Gentiles, the goyim. So when he uses that, when he makes that reference, that's what he's talking about. If you were Jewish, when you came to faith in the Messiah, Yeshua, remain that way. If you were a Gentile, when you came to faith, remain a Gentile. You don't need to become Jewish. So in, in Paul's day, it was Jewish followers of Yeshua who were trying to convince Gentiles to become Jewish to receive the promises. In today's church... It's the opposite. Gentile followers of Yeshua trying to convince Jewish people that to follow the master and receive salvation and all the promises, they need to stop being Jewish. That's that's not biblically accurate at all. That goes completely against scripture. Paul says, remain how you came to the faith, if As a Jew, stay Jewish. If as a Gentile, remain as such. And please, let's not miss or conveniently gloss over his statement that keeping God's commandments is what really matters. All right, back to 1 Corinthians 9. Paul is saying, He can relate to people in each of these groups, the natural born Jews, because he is one, the proselytes, because he knows what they have gone through and the obligation they took on themselves to become Jewish and to the Gentiles, he can relate to them because he is the apostle to the Gentiles. Paul was savvy to the Greek influence throughout Israel and, and you know, throughout the world at that time, throughout, but in Israel, the diaspora, and the surrounding areas. There's a great example of how Paul became a Gentile to the Gentiles. It's in Acts chapter 17. And Paul is in the Greek city of Athens. Big time Gentile territory, folks. And there were, of course, some pockets of Jewish people and God-fearing Gentiles as well. So let's check this out. Acts 17, starting at verse 16. Now, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was aroused within him when he saw that the city was full of idols. So he was debating in the synagogue with the Jewish people and the God-fearers as well as in the marketplace every day with all who happened to be there. Also, some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers were conversing with him. Some were saying, what's this babbler trying to say? While others, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign deities, because he was proclaiming the good news of Yeshua and the resurrection. So they took Paul to the Areopagus, saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you are talking about. For you are bringing some strange things to our ears. So we want to know what these things mean. That's through to verse 20. You can see what's going on here. They're hearing for the first time, these, these Gentiles, Greeks, are hearing for the first time about Yeshua. And so they want to, they want to hear more. Picking back up at verse 21. Now, all the Athenians and foreigners visiting there used to pass their time doing nothing but telling or hearing something new. So Paul stood in the middle of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in all ways you are very religious. For while I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship without knowing, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by hands, nor is he served by human hands as if he needs needed anything, since he himself gives to everyone life and breath and all things. From one, he made every nation of men to live on the face of the earth, having set appointed times and the boundaries of their territory. They were to search for him and perhaps grope around for him and find him. Yet he is not far off from each one of us. For in him, we live and move and have our being. So Paul took from their culture to explain who the true, the one true God is and to preach the gospel. He didn't start worshiping their idols or appropriate their culture and behaviors to relate to them. He simply made the connection from their pagan beliefs and revealed to them the one true God, Hashem, and his son, Yeshua HaMashiach. Becoming all things to all people that we might save some doesn't mean we conduct ourselves according to the crowd. That is not how we relate. And I do, I I think some of you, and it, it probably is said of me that, well, you wear those tzitzit tassels and you observe the Sabbath on Saturday, the seventh day. So you must be pretending to be Jewish so that you can save Jews. Absolutely not. May it never be. What I am doing, to the best of my understanding and ability, is exactly what Paul said really matters. Keeping the commandments of God. In my studies, I'm learning more about Jewish culture because, guess what? That's who wrote the scriptures <laughs> that's so yes we will we should all learn some about Jewish culture when we study God's word and so i do believe it is helping me to become an effective witness to Jewish people because and i, I i'm not going to recap all of this i've in many episodes or in at least a few i have i have discussed this Modern Christianity has done a really poor job of witnessing to the Jewish people. We, It's pathetic. And so, yeah, we should learn some about their culture so we can be effective witnesses. And I have zero intentions or desire to be proselytized or to become Jewish. And I make it very clear when I speak with people who are Jewish, I make it abundantly clear to them that I am a Gentile and full disclosure, I am a follower of Yeshua. And so another example for me, if you'll allow, regarding relating to people, I spent a long time in the car business. Some of you are aware of that. And so I've been able to use terms relating to transactions and day-to-day car business stuff, the car business lingo, I've been able to use that to witness to people in that industry. And one I, I one that I distinctly hold on to was a guy that I shared the gospel with, and he contacted me Um he was uh we were connected in uh through social media only because of our connection with the car business and he was he would read my posts he would listen to some of the sermons um that I that I shared on there and he wanted to know more so we ended up getting getting together on the phone and he said you know that he's got piles of money piles of, uh, he's got you know a driveway full of cars nice house beautiful wife kids it, all the things but he knew something was still missing in his life. And he wanted what I had. And actually, he wanted who I had. So I went to great lengths explaining the gospel, what it meant, who Yeshua is, our depraved state apart from a relationship with God. And he, he wasn't grasping what I was saying. There was a disconnect there. And I'm telling you, I was using all the best church language I knew. It sounded perfectly clear to me. It's the way I've shared it many times, and, and to God's glory, it's been effective. But I was getting frustrated because he wasn't getting it. He was not picking up what I was putting down. And finally, ding, 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 a bell went off in my head, and, and I, as I was prompted, I believe, by the Father, I started using the language and terms that we would use in auto sales. You know, metaphorically using what this guy knew, what he knew best to help him make the connections. And I was able to do that. And it was just, it was amazing because then the light came on, Baruch Hashem. It clicked with this guy. But I didn't have to become all the negative things he told me about himself or even the Negative stereotypes for people in the car business, and that I think is one of the things that seemed to stand out when I would share things on social media, is I didn't celebrate a lot of the things that, that you know people, people in that business think you should be proud of. Um, anyway, I, I, I didn't have to become all those negative things to relate to him and to get down on his level. I I simply used a familiar part of his life to communicate relationally to him, becoming a car guy to win car guys. So to reinforce what Paul is and is not saying in 1 Corinthians 9, we can see in Galatians 2 that Paul opposed Peter to his face for doing that very thing presenting himself as as one way to one group and another way to another group Galatians 2 beginning at verse 11 but when Peter came to Antioch I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong for before certain people before certain people came to him from Jacob he regularly ate with the Gentiles but when they came he began to withdraw and separate himself fearing those from the circumcision and the rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not walking in line with the truth of the good news, I said to Peter in front of everyone, if you being a Jew live like the Gentiles and not like the Jews, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? So, Peter was, as we can read in here, Peter was a supporter of the circumcision party. He was one who wanted people, Gentiles, who came to faith in Yeshua, he wanted them to become Jewish. What Peter was doing was, when he was around only Gentiles, he relaxed. He relaxed on the ceremonial washings. He was eating meat from the Gentile markets. Now, this is not unclean meats, mind you. Peter observed the dietary laws of Torah. But most Jews refrained from eating meats from the Gentile markets as there was a possibility, a high probability, the animal could have been offered to a pagan god or idol. So they just abstained. They avoided it. And to this, Paul has written elsewhere that basically, if you don't know if it was offered to an idol, eat it to the glory of Hashem. An idol is nothing to me. If it's food, meaning the food described in the Torah, because that which is unclean is not even considered to be food. It's not, it's not what it was created for. Those things that are clean, those are food. Okay, you can listen to the Stay Hungry episode for more on that if you would like, and perhaps in the future we'll 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 circle back around to that. But if if you know that it was offered up to an idol, you definitely should abstain from eating it. And so Peter was eating from eating meats from these Gentile markets. I do not believe for a moment that he knowingly ate anything that was sacrificed to an idol. Again, most most of the Jews just avoided those marketplaces and especially meat products from them. Peter's hypocrisy was he ate that way around the Gentiles. But when the representatives from James the Righteous, the brother of the master, my translation uh, uses the name Jacob there, same dude, James, Jacob. So when they arrived, Peter withdrew from hanging around the Gentiles and started acting different around his Jewish brothers. And then he began criticizing the Gentiles for eating the way that they do and was insisting that they become circumcised. Again, Paul said, if you being a Jew live like Gentiles and not like the Jews, then how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? He's telling them that they got to do the things and become proselytes um, to become Jewish. So Paul challenges Peter. He challenges him for this and he calls him out. He straight up puts him on blast publicly in front of everybody. And so, no, Paul was not about compromising the commandments of God for the sake of reaching people with the gospel. He wasn't about that at all. He didn't break the Torah to, uh, to witness to those who do not have the Torah. That's not, that's not what he did. And the inconsistency and incompatibility of living that way would completely undermine the truth and righteousness of Hashem, and it diminishes the integrity of the message. Once again, if I believe that's what Paul meant in that passage... Wouldn't, wouldn't want to have anything to do with him, his teaching, or his writings. But I know that's not what he meant. Hashem is the Lord and he changes not. Yeshua, the Messiah, is the same yesterday and today and forever. Hallelujah. So this... Marks the end of the fourth season of this podcast. Yeah, that's what's up. It started four years ago, and honestly, I didn't know where it would go or how long I would even do it. And it has definitely changed over the years. If you go back to the first episode, even the title was different, and the, the format and the, the content was different. And it's morphed over the years. I'm, I'm grateful. I'm, I'm blessed. It's been you know this growing, growing thing. And, uh, you know, I was inspired initially by a young man named Justin Williams. So, uh, you know, I saw what he was doing and he, was, he had started doing his own thing. And so I asked him some questions and, you know, he helped me kick this thing off. So a major shout out to Justin. Love that dude. And uh, he, he now has, you know, he now has a business where he helps budding podcasters to kind of learn and do things and he helps with editing and all that kind of stuff. Great guy. Appreciate him and uh, and how he helped me kind of get my feet off the ground with this. And so, Lord willing, season five will begin soon and we will see what direction Hashem leads. Um, it's, it's a great journey and I appreciate all of you who have come along and, and particularly those who started off and have maintained and stuck it out through this whole thing. That's incredible. I appreciate you all. But I, I want to thank you, um, those who subscribe, who listen, who provide feedback, who challenge me with questions and requested topics, those of you who share, rate, and review, I, I just want to thank you. Uh, I'm blessed and I'm grateful that, that, that anything uh, that I say can be used by Hashem. his glory. I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful to all of you and blessed to be a vessel of Hashem to shine the light of his truth to the world. One way or another, we must reach this lost dying world with what they so desperately need, the bread of life, Yeshua, the Messiah. Until next time, until next season, May the grace, our master, Yeshua the Messiah, found in the eyes of Hashem, be poured out upon you and all your household. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, reign in your hearts and minds. Grace and peace. Ch'en Shalom.